This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And here we are live here on Pet Life Radio and Instagram Live. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber. Host the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio. Ask the best of Dr. Jeff here for you, here for your pets. Anything you want to talk about, now is the time because it's free advice. Speaking of free advice, we had a milestone this past weekend. On Monday, New Year's Day, Dr. Jeff Werber and AirVet, we were the first telemedicine platform and first veterinarian in California. This is history making that was able to take a virtual visit, do a virtual visit, and establish a what's called the VCPR. I'll get to that in a minute. And actually able to actually make a diagnosis and prescribe medication online. Now, what do you say? Big deal. In, in human medicine, you could do that always. Not in veterinary medicine. Veterinary medicine had this law. It's called the VCPR, a veterinary client-patient relationship. And in order to be able to diagnose and treat, you have to have had a VCPR. And the only way up till January 1st in California, the only way to establish a VCPR was through a hands-on exam. So we would take calls. I would take calls on AirVet, do virtual visits on AirVet and as chief veterinary officer. And I could do tele-education. I could do tele-advice, but I couldn't actually make a diagnosis. And when it came to medication or something somebody can do at home, I would always say like, look, I don't have what's called a VCPR. I would explain what the veterinary client-patient relationship is. And since you're not my client and I haven't seen you within a year, I can't do, but I can... Interestingly, I had a case last week, almost identical to what you're describing. This is what I told my client. So I'm not telling you to do it, but I'm saying, so that's how we kind of circumvented it. But now with what's going on in veterinary medicine and the shortages, all right, and uh, whether it's relative shortages or real shortages, who knows? But I mean, still to this day, I am getting clients coming into my office that new clients. I said, how'd you hear about us? Well, you know, we called around. We couldn't get it. Our vet couldn't get us in for three weeks. This one client who's coming in tomorrow has a very bad tooth. The dog is salivating, could barely eat, right? I took the call on Friday afternoon. I said, I'm not there anymore. But she said she called her vet and they said, we can get you in in three weeks. Can you imagine waiting three weeks for that? So I said, no, no, no. I will see you first thing Monday morning. Don't feed your dog, no breakfast, because I'm probably going to need to do some dental work. And it's really, it's a problem. And we found, especially in COVID, how much of a problem it was. Even the emergency facilities are backed up. So now with this VCPR being able to be established online virtually, then I can actually see a client from California. It's got to be in the same state. So we have New York, New Jersey, Arizona, Virginia, California, Hawaii, Florida. So a number of states have already abandoned the old-fashioned VCPR. Now, like in human medicine, allowing it to be established online. And the first argument was kind of, I, I see where we're coming from. Well, you know, the dog can't talk to you. But wait a second, on the human side, how many moms were calling in for their kids? The babies, kids couldn't talk. And yet the mom gave you history, what was going on. And that's kind of what happened. So it's the same thing. So anyway, the good news is we made history. We were the first. And if you want to call it the first to market. And um, I've got, there's so, I'll tell you, there are so many 
things that have been written now in, in business journals and, and, and veterinary. Congratulations. So this is really a milestone. It's fantastic. And for any of you who need help now, first of all, if your veterinarian is not using telemedicine, please go ahead. Uh, we love it. You can just go on to AirVet. Download AirVet. It's an app. It's in the App Store, in Google Play, or um, the App Store, and um, establish yourselves as customers. And then when you have a problem, it, we can put you in touch with a veterinarian right away. If you are in California and your veterinarian is not on it, then when you want to go to the edit pencil, the edit line, the little three lines at the upper left, you'll see when you log on, and the Dropbox comes down. You want to click on my clinic or our clinic, and then you'll see you put in Jeff's, J E F F apostrophe S. It will autofill Jeff's telehospital, and then you'll be able to put me as your primary, and then you'll be able to request an, a, a virtual visit, and then we can establish a VCPR online. And if you need medication that I can do, then we can go ahead and do it. So it is really, really great. We're thrilled. And um, so with that, any questions? We must have some questions. Morning, B. Uh, right. So we just did. We talked about AirVet, which is great. And uh, let's see. Let's see. Okay, what happens if you don't get all of a tick out of your dog? Okay, so here's the thing. Sometimes it's very difficult. There is an art to removing a tick. There are some really great over-the-counter little devices, like a de-ticker. They're really cute. Anyway, the idea is you need to grab the tick as close, literally at the skin, where the tick bite, the mouth parts are. And then what you don't want to do is you don't want to pull it. Absolutely not. So well, all these little devices... You then spin the device around. Usually they say counterclockwise. I don't think it makes a difference, but anyway, I do counterclockwise and you just gently turn as your prongs are attached to the mouth parts and right at the skin, not above the skin. You gotta be touching the skin. And as you're turning, and after maybe the third turn, you start gently pulling, gently pulling, and then 95%, you're gonna get the tick, full tick, and the mouth parts. Now, what happens if mouth parts are left behind? So there's going to be some irritation. You might see a raised area. You might see little black things in the skin. You can either take to your veterinarian, take a needle, and they can sort of dig out the mouth parts. That's pretty difficult too. I mean, those things are locked. But what you can also do, keep the area clean, wash it, maybe a little antibacterial ointment, like, like a neosporin or something. And over time, okay, that is, it's like with any skin, like that splinter. As the skin cells die on the surface and new skins are made, cells are made from underneath, it's going to slowly, 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 and within a, a week or two, it should lift it out. I always like to try to pull them out first, um, just in case there's some infection still going on. So, but anyway, so the best way to do it is get a deticking device, or if you're not sure, take the dog to your veterinarian and have them pull it out properly. Next, your opinion on raw food diet for dogs. So, mind you, Truth be told, I actually had Optimum. My Optimum was a great raw food diet. I am not against raw food. However, I am against raw foods that were not processed properly. First of all, let's, let's explain why. In raw diets, we would see the big four, E. coli, Listeria, Campylobacter, and Salmonella. So these are diseases and bacterial infections that are prevalent in raw foods, raw meats. So the whole idea is I don't mind raw. It's like when you eat raw fish, you eat sushi. Now, are you going to just take any fish off the shelf and eat it raw? No. What you're going to do is you're going to get sushi grade, all right? It's the way it's produced and made and protected. It's safe to be eaten raw in most cases. And even with people that eat sushi, I'm sure all of you have had some experience, a negative experience with sushi. You know, it does happen. So 
the two processes, and I used to with Optimum, we did both. One is called HPP, high pressure pasteurization. They also call it high pressure processing. And that is where instead of killing the bad bacteria with heat, which then destroys nutrients and changes, uh, again, the good qualities of why you want to eat raw in the first place, it does it by high pressure. The second is freeze dry. And freeze drying, unlike heat that will kill it, the freezing will kill it. And when you freeze dry, it doesn't destroy the beneficial properties, the vitamins, the minerals of the raw food. And therefore, that's good. Optimum, we did both. We used to put it through HPP. We used to then do freeze dried. And then we would, every single batch was tested to see if there were any bacteria. And we would only package that, which was negative growth, which was pretty much all of them because of those two processes work. Now, are there some good food companies out there that still provide raw food that go through this? Yes. I know that Dr. Marty's does. I know that Stellan Chewy's does. So you want to do your homework and look at when you contact, contact them directly. Don't ask them, do you do so-and-so? Because then they're going to say yes. All right. It's like a trick I learned years ago when you go to a restaurant and you want decaf coffee. Okay. So you order the decaf coffee. When it comes, you say, okay, so this is the caffeinated, right? If they go, yeah, then don't trust them. If they go, oh, I'm sorry. I thought I heard you say decaf. I did say decaf. I'm just testing. But the whole idea is that they'll say anything they want to say to, to make a sale. So ask them, what processes do you do, if any? And if they can't answer, we do HPP, high pressure passage. We do freeze dried. Then you do not want to feed your pet that food. Very simple. If you have any more questions about that, let me know. All right. Seven Day Poodle started having episodes of spinning on the wee wee pad with loud gas sounds and mucus stools. Ah, okay. So um, I hope there's more coming. So when you see that seven year old, Here's the thing. If this were a young dog, I would say maybe there is some sort of blockage somewhere because we know young dogs and puppies eat a lot of garbage. However, I will also say that a seven-year-old dog could have other issues. It could be, again, something, a reaction to something eaten and set up a severe gastroenteritis. And so now there's inflammation. That's why the gas sounds. The body is trying to propel the ingesta. You know, once things are vomiting, when there's vomiting involved, you have to think of something maybe being, you know, brought up. So I'm curious to know what the blood work showed. Now, if there's, for example, something called pancreatitis, then 100%, this could be the cause of these issues. If there's severe infection, that's, that's a problem with GI. You can have a completely normal blood picture with a gastrointestinal problem, unless, of course, it is a pancreatitis. Then you might see some clues on the blood work, but otherwise, you may not know. So there's no like test. Yes, we can test for kidneys and we can test for liver. We can test for pancreas. All right, we can test for the bloodborne infection with white, you know, white blood cells. So there are certain parameters that we look at that give us a really good clue as to what's going on, but there's no GI official specific problem. So um, there are other ways that we have to make diagnoses if it's a GI problem. Of course, ultrasound, x-ray is one of them. Certain specific blood tests looking for, for example, a pancreatic insufficiency, looking at some imbalances in some of the minerals, but there's no really, it's not like some of the other problems. I'd like to know what the x-rays show. I'm going to scroll ahead. So it did fluid. She's not vomiting anymore, but still is up all night with the spitting and frequent mucus of blood. Okay. So let's finish this, Michelle. So yes, definitely continue probiotics. I love that. It might take some time, as long as there's no like official blockage, it might take some time, but we might, this might be taken care of. The mucus and blood tinge, that's colitis. So whatever happened earlier on causing the vomiting, whatever the irritation is 
is passing through, which is good. That's probably still why you're hearing a lot of gas and movement. Borborygmus, that's when you hear the bubbles and, and all the, the noise coming out of the GI tract. That's called borborygmus. And now with the, the fact that we have mucus in blood, that's telling you colitis. So the colon is inflamed. I mean, in, in a way, that's good news. If all that was left was the colitis, the symptoms of the mucus in the blood, and no more vomiting and everything else is good, then I'd say, whatever it is, it's, it's moving through. You just give it a few more days. What I recommend is adding some fiber to the diet, either something like bran, bran flakes, cooked oatmeal, canned pumpkin, cooked sweet potato, cooked yams, adding, depending on the size of the dog, you said a poodle, uh, was it a standard? Uh, yeah, if it's a small poodle, maybe a teaspoon, a standard poodle, maybe a tablespoon mixed in with the regular food and uh, do that for every meal and give it a couple of days. And also a medication that is, seems to work well with cases of colitis is flagyl, metronidazole. So talk to your veterinarian about getting some flagyl as well. And um, maybe she may already be on it. So anyway, that's uh, what, something I'd recommend. I think that's a, a smart move. And then just let me know. Ah, they said they can all start. Yes, I would do that. I'm a step ahead of you. Yes, I will do the metronidazole too. Uh, it works very well with cases like this. Grain versus no grain. Okay, so here's the thing with the, the grain versus no grain. There's been no scientific data supporting a grain-free diet. And yet there may be some related problems. And with that, I'm going to keep you hanging because it is time for a commercial break and I'm getting dirty looks from, from Mark. So anyway, let's go ahead, break to commercial. And when we come back, we'll talk about this grain versus no grain. Stay tuned. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> And anyway, so we're back. We're just talking about how we want everybody to, to join their, either get their vet to go on to offer telemedicine or come into your, depending on your states, find a veterinarian that's doing it because now with the ability to get full care, including prescriptions and being able to establish that veterinary client patient relationship virtually, you need to find your vets that will do that. And it is basically, it's a game change. It's a winner. So I think veterinarians might finally say, hmm, maybe we should have listened to Werber and, and, and done this years ago. Yeah, maybe you should have. But now their clients are going to find a veterinarian online virtually who can help them so much so that they may not even need their vet. And we're, that wasn't our goal. Our goal wasn't to ever fight. Our goal was to include the vet. And it was just unfortunate that some, a lot of veterinarians just didn't see the benefit and they didn't see what's going on in human medicine and say to themselves, wow, this is the future. We should jump on now. So hopefully more and more veterinarians now will start offering telemedicine, joining a company like AirVet, and they can be just sign on. We have an AirVet doctor, tell your doctors about it, 
and then they can be requested personally and they can offer telemedicine. It's good for the pet. It's good for the veterinarian and great for the client as well. It's, it's a win, win, win. And that's how we know we always saw it. So um, let's go back to the grain, the grain free. So we talked about this just before the break about grain, grain free. So as I mentioned, there has been no scientific evidence that grain is unhealthy, is a problem for a dog. Now, there is, of course, one, but that's with any product, any ingredient. That is, if your dog has shown a hypersensitivity, like an allergy, that's a different story. Some dogs are allergic to corn. Some dogs are allergic to wheat, barley. So yes, that can happen. But we're not worried about negative effect metabolically from grain. As a matter of fact, since this grain-free craze, there have been more and more cases of cardiomyopathy in dogs that typically don't get it. Now, was that coincidence? Is it just that, you know, like you just start hearing more and more problems with cardiomyopathy and now it's coming up and now because of grain and the first, the first case said, yes, it must be that. And now they're always saying, oh, well, my dog has it. I, you know, it may be nothing. No one's been able to prove either that that grain three causes cardiomyopathy, but there may be some connection. We don't know. Uh, dogs, make their own taurine. Taurine seems to be the amino acid that it's a sulfur-containing amino acid, cysteine and methionine combined, which is plentiful in meats and, and foods that the dogs make their own. Cats, on the other hand, can't make their own. Therefore, cat food is always supplemented with taurine. Since this craze, a lot of the grain-free diets have added taurine just in case. That was a very smart move. But you know, we still don't know. So my feeling is this. If you're worried about it, don't feed grain-free. If you're not worried about it, then you can feed grain-free. What I would at least do is look for a grain-free that has added taurine, T-A-U-R-I-N-E. That's the amino acid that may help prevent cardiomyopathy. Is it 100% going to prevent it? No. If the cardiomyopathy is for another reason, like a, a reason within the heart muscle itself and nothing to do with the amount of taurine, then it would have happened no matter what you're feeding. So talk to your veterinarian, but I am, as I said, I, I do not recommend it. If someone's really steadfast, does not want to feed grains, then go ahead and at least check that there's enough taurine. And uh, that's the best way around it. That's all I can tell you. All right. So since uh, I'll wait for some more questions. But in the meantime, yeah, x-ray showed excess gas. So we'll, Michelle, you let me know about that, but I'm happy to hear and happy to help you reach out to me anytime. Now, Next week, I will be live. I'm heading on Friday morning to Orlando for VMX. VMX, formerly NAVC, the National it's a North American Veterinary Conference, is still NAVC. The company is NAVC, but they're calling this conference VMX, the uh, Veterinary Medical Expo. It is, they say, the nation's largest. Next month, February, is Western States Veterinary Conference. They say they're the largest. They, they run hand in hand. And it's great. It's, 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 I mean, I'm going to get a lot of my CE done there, uh, continue education, obviously. And the good thing is veterinarians are required a certain amount of CE. And I usually get it in these first three months because I have VMX. And then a couple of weeks later, where I probably are going to miss the show, I'm going to Steamboat Springs, Colorado for the Colorado Veterinary Medical Association meeting. They call it SKYCE. I love it. Ski CE. And I am a snowboarder. And um, I love this one. We're, we're in, have a, a, a continental light breakfast from 6.30 to 7 a.m. Then we go into session from 7 to 9. And then 9 to 4, we're on the slopes. And then 4 to 6, more session. I mean, it is great. So you get like 12 hours of CE. And then between VMX and in February, 
Western Veteran Conference, WVC, upset. I got my CE for the year and I got it done in you know, three months, two months, really, almost. Uh, it's, it's great. January and February, taken care of. I'm good. So uh, anyway, ah, gross ear mites. So, you know, it's weird is I know that Hopscotch ends up going to these, you know, I know he's boarded a lot. He probably, because first of all, I don't usually see ear mites in adult dogs, period. It is a puppy thing, young dogs, but they are highly contagious when dogs play and run around. So because of the number of potential contacts that a dog could have, especially with a younger dog or even a puppy, then it's very possible they pick up ear mites. Their ear mites are so annoying to a dog. And I, one of my colleagues, they call him Dr. Z. You can find him on Instagram also. He did a slide of ear mites and it was unbelievable. I mean, there were maybe even thousands. At the end of the slide, they are the most disgusting. I always say this, when I describe something to a pet parent, eh, they may get it, they may not get it. And they may still be hesitant to, you know, because I say we have to anesthetize, we have to flush, we have to really get these, whatever it is. Seeing is believing. A picture is worth a thousand words. A live video of these ear mites crawling on this slide, that's worth a hundred thousand words. That client can't wait to, here, take the dog, keep them, do what you have to do. And it's unbelievable. So they are so annoying. They are these little mites, these little bugs, and they are disgusting. And you see them breeding, sitting on top. I mean, it is really, really gross, but it causes so much discomfort. So most likely when adult dogs get ear mites, like I'm not worried about my adult dogs getting ear mites because they don't mingle with other dogs because they're so obnoxious when it comes to other dogs. My dogs have set their own pack. They are so protective of each other. I don't think they give a damn about us. It's each other. It's their dog, the other dogs that they like them. And therefore, any other animal comes near, they're ready to kill. So especially two of them are so bad. Anyway, it's like embarrassing for me as a veterinarian because, uh, you know, walking, they're all so happy. They're cute. All of a sudden, another dog is across the street and they want to pull out of their harnesses. It is hysterical. So uh, anyway, so with ear mites, it is, you know, this is something that we need to... Uh, just know that it is very fixable, very annoying, but you want to take care of it right away. Sometimes it takes two to three treatments. You're going to keep going back to the veterinarian. We'll make some more slides and, and see what's going on, but definitely, definitely need to treat it. And there's some different topicals that can go in and help kill. I've, I use something called Acorex. There's one called Mitox. Some Revolution uh, is also good at that topical flea. It also is good for flea and mites and ticks. So it's good for other like scabies. So there are a number of uses for these things, but they are ivermectins, acelomectin, which is the active ingredient of Revolution, are all very effective as well. So I'm just double checking to see if there are any other questions before I go. All right. So if I don't get to a question that you had or I missed it, please just reach out to me. You know, I'm pretty good at um, getting back to you. I can't promise it's always in a timely fashion, but I will. And if, oh, by the way, if, and I say this all the time to my clients, even if I get back to you within a day or so, bug me. It's okay. I get literally sometimes 30 to 50 messages a day. And if I don't get to one right away, it gets buried. And so I do apologize in advance, but I'm not ignoring you. I'm not ignoring anybody. Keep trying. I will get to you for sure, for sure. Hopefully I wave back to everybody. So next week might be a little, um, well, you would not tell from the the, no the background noise. You'll probably hear a lot of background noise. I won't be able to do any kind of you know um, one-on-ones, but I'll be 
with Dr. Dana. She is the uh, one of the medical directors at VMX. We're going to talk about some really cool topics. We'll probably talk about, again, the California milestone new rule, which is big. California is typically a very tough state for innovation. They just take their time. The fact that they approved this bill unanimously to allow the veterinary telemedicine to be like human telemedicine, where we can establish a relationship in the veterinary case called the VCPR, veterinary client-patient relationship, to be able to diagnose, to be able to treat, prescribe. That is game changer. And it's only good for you guys. It's good for your pets, especially. So um, I'm thrilled. And the fact that we were the first telemedicine platform to do it in California, and yours truly was the first veterinarian to do it in California as chief veterinary officer. And it happened right after midnight. So it was perfect. Perfect. It was like 12.04 a.m. And of course, I was up. It was New Year's Eve. So I'm, I'm sitting there, you know, having a little drink, maybe, maybe, <laughs> let's say yes, maybe. And uh, the call came in and it was fantastic. So uh, we made history. It was really nice. All right. Anyway, if you have any questions during the week, please reach out to me. You can reach me here at Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com. We'd love to hear from you here on Instagram. Just send me a message. Tell your friends about AirVet. In fact, tell your friends to follow me here on Instagram. It's always good. The, the more followers I get, the more information I can provide, the more people I reach because everyone has their friends and uh, we want these numbers to grow so uh, people can take advantage of the free advice and from uh, someone who actually still, after 40 years, loves to do what he's doing. See you next week from the VMX floor. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll stay tuned for next week. Bye-bye. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.